pleasant morning to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This devotion is brought to you by the Anglican Diocese of the Bahamas and the Turks and Caicos Islands. My name is Esther Dean, a second-year seminarian from the Church of the Ascension, located on the tranquil shores of Lucaya, Grand Bahama. Let us pray. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us, who know you now by faith, to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the Word of God, written in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Creation in the garden, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we transition from Genesis 1 into Genesis 2, it is quite obvious that we come into a different atmosphere. The narrative portrayal from the Yahwist in Genesis chapter 1 is geared toward the creation of the world, that is, the heavens and the earth, the plants and the animals, and finally, man. In its simplistic nature, it is both majestic in its beauty and profound in its depth. The transition into chapter 2 heralds a kind of recapitulation of the main events in the previous chapter that of the creation of man. What is interesting about this particular text is that the creation of man is linked with the third day instead of the sixth. The verses describe the third day of creation when the land emerged from the seas and plant life began to appear. The third and sixth days of creation are linked together almost conveniently in a rather unusual way as today's text lends credence to the theory of recapitulation. In a portion of this literature, particularly verse 7, there is a remarkable anthropological shift, that being man and his own genesis. I am sure that many of you at one time or the other have pondered on just how this God formed and molded man to be a living and vibrant creature one that will till the ground and one that will care for all branches of God's creation. 
What trust must he have had in us to take care of such a remarkable and incomprehensible creation? There's no scientific formula which tells us how God strategically formed man, and I am sure there was no real recipe per se. However, God first made the body of man, and he made it of the dust of the earth. There is a story told of a young acolyte who asked his priest a rather peculiar question. The young acolyte asked, Is it true that we are made of the dust, and that after we die, we go back to that same dust? The priest, after a few seconds of amazement, answered, Yes, it is true. The young acolyte replied, Well, Father, I looked under a pew this morning, and there is someone either coming or going. Certainly, it is true that the same elements that are found in the dust of the ground are also found in the human body. The human body is made up of materials and minerals found on the surface of the ground, and not from the core of the earth. Oxygen, being the most abundant element on the earth's crust or on the ground, makes up 65% of the human body, and carbon, also abundant on the topsoil of the ground, is 18%, and hydrogen is 10 But outside of thinking about it purely theologically, we can relate to it rationally. Certainly, when we consider the miracle of conception and birth, when two tiny, almost invisible cells meet together, and begin to grow and divide under a rigid interlock of controls, developing at last into a human being such as we see ourselves to be. In this light, we need not ask about the ability of God to form man in his own remarkable way, as Luke chapter 1 and verse 37 reminds us that for God, nothing is impossible. But in our own personal lives, what does this all really mean? Whether we are aware or not, whether we want to accept it or not, our reality today, friends, is that sometimes we suffer all kinds of unnecessary burdens because we are simply breathing life into the things that mean us absolutely no good. I need not share example after example because, as the millennials say, if you know, you know. In the start of this new year, amidst all the unavailing New Year's resolutions, let us intentionally begin to breathe life into the things that truly matter. Let us begin to breathe life into things and situations that will not hinder our progress, but will allow us to reach our fullest potential. Let us pray. Breathe on me, breath of God, Fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love, and do what thou wouldst do. Amen. I thank you for taking just a little while to tune into this morning's devotion. Please share with family, friends, or someone who may not be as technologically fortunate as you. I encourage you to breathe life only into positivity. And if you have anything left, try breathing life into your fellow brother or sister who may just need a little spiritual resuscitation. Breathe on me, breath.